This episode is brought to you by global retailer W.H. Smith. For more information, go to whsmith.co.uk. Welcome to the Airport Experience News Podcast. I'm Ramon Lowe, the publisher of AX and the host of this pod. You know what's coming in March? Well, it's the can't-miss event of the year. That's right. It's the Airport Experience Conference, which will take place March 1st to the 4th at the Gaylord Rockies in Denver. Do you want to know about the agenda? You want to register? You want to reserve your booth? You have to go to conference.airportxnews.com, and there you will get all the information you will need. Don't wait. Well, this is episode 73, and I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Roz Mallet, the president and CEO of Phase Next Hospitality. Again, if you've been following along, I am continuing my month-long focus on small businesses in airports and really listening to their stories and sage advice, both of which I got from this interview. Uh, I've known of Roz for quite some time. I've crossed paths with her at various events, but I really never knew her. And it wasn't until this past August in Los Angeles for AMAC where I was moderating a panel she was on that I got, I got to formally introduce myself. And she came every bit as advertised. She is a legend. She's held high-ranking positions with great brands like Caribou Coffee, Applebee's, La Madelon. Uh, she's the first African-American woman to head the National Restaurant Association. Lots to learn from here, so really, let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Roz Mallet. So I'm here with Roz Mallet, the president and CEO of Phase Next Hospitality. Roz, thanks for taking the time to speak with me. I'm really looking forward to it. So this episode, really about small business in airports, uh, because November uh, is Small Business Month, and really it's part purpose-driven to really share the stories of small businesses, but also I've personally enjoyed hearing about the work and the grind that goes into launching a business, especially one that's as complicated as our environment. So before we get into all that, I'd really love for you to kind of touch upon your background in restaurant, in the restaurant industry in general. I know a little bit about it. We did that panel in AMAC in LA, um, and it's a really storied one, and I'd really love for you to share it for those who might not be aware. Well, thanks, Ramon, for including me uh, in your process because I know that your intent is to, uh, if you will, show ro- role models for how people might uh, do better and better in their business. And I know that the non-traditional space is complicated. So let me tell you just a bit about how I ended up here. Uh, I did not begin my career in non-traditional. Most people don't. Uh, partially because non-traditional growth uh, has broadened to small businesses gradually and, if you will, slowly over the last 10 to 20 years. Uh, I began my career as an hourly employee in restaurants, moved into restaurant and multi-unit operations, and discovered that I loved the idea of growing restaurants by working for pretty large companies, and being involved on the uh, human resource and also the new store opening side. And so those two became intertwined in my growth uh, as an executive in the industry. Succinctly, um, 25 years in human resources. Uh, I've probably opened over 100, 125 restaurants in my career from that human resource new store opening team side. Uh, Part of that was facilitated because I opened a lot of restaurants with Applebee's. I was with that business from two stores to over 900. Wow. 
I always talk about Applebee's a bit because it taught me so much. Uh, it solidified my understanding of operations, uh, really taught me a lot about development. Uh, it was my first human resources job. I hired every manager for the first three to four years of the existence of that brand. Uh, taught me about franchising. And so I have taken all of that over time and really worked hard at creating core competencies uh, that I put into being a generalist, mm -hmm. uh, which meant that after 25 years in human resources, I went back into uh, being on the operating side, chief operating officer, president, CEO. Uh, I've worked for, in addition to Applebee's, um, TGI Fridays, La Madeline, Caribou Coffee. And in all of that experience, it took me to where I am today. I have been in my business for 10 years. Um, I started this business intentionally during the recession to get away from corporations. I'd been in two companies that had been sold over my career. Uh, I was living in Minneapolis, Minnesota in my last corporate job. I wanted to be back in Texas. I liked the idea of becoming a franchisee versus being a franchisor. I knew a lot about that space. And ironically, I had been in more than one company where we had joint venture partners and franchisees that were in the airport space. And so when I decided to move home from Minnesota the last time, after, quote, two tours of duty, I decided to become a recovering corporate geek, which is how I still describe myself. And um, I, I really wanted to do something different. And it seemed to me that after running a public company as a president and CEO, and we were in the real depths of the recession, it made all the sense in the world to come back and try something really different. And really different was that I understood the DBE program. I understood how the joint ventures worked from the corporate side. And I realized that because I loved being an operator, I could be a little bit different, a little bit special, if you will, by becoming a franchisee, going into airports and military installations. And so that became the development structure of my business, Phase Next Hospitality. But I did it differently. Uh, I had watched lots of people try to put together the structure to go into being a DBE, or I had spent a lot of time talking to prime concessionaires when I was on the corporate side about what they needed or required out of DBEs for our brand. And so where I ended up being uh, different, and very intentionally, was I wanted to be a franchisee, so I bring my own brands to the table. I'm not the 35% that is typical uh, way to be heard from sometimes in our industry. Uh, and when I say that, uh, what that means to me is not all DBEs have as much operating experience as I do. Some DBEs come in and they qualified and they uh, have an assignment that might be human resources or marketing or even development to a uh, somewhat limited degree. I wanted to be a true DBE that had the opportunity to learn and grow this space, airports, non-traditional. And also I wanted to have uh, a bit of required independence, if you will. Sure. I signed the franchise agreement. 
I bring those those brands that are not uh, very, if you will, prolific in the airport. I could have done TGI Fridays as the example. I had worked there, but I wanted to do something different. So I chose a casual dining brand called Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, I chose fast casual, not to be the typical burger, but to do smash burger. Uh, I chose Corner Bakery. Um, Oban Pan was the largest bakery cafe and airports when I started my business. But I wanted these brands that had high quality, uh, that maybe there was a little bit of pull from the consumer because they weren't in every airport. As a matter of fact, there was one airport that uh, B-Dubs was in, Buffalo Wings. There was one airport that Corner Bakery was in. And there were no airports for a Smashburger when I started. Uh, my first smash burger, though, happened to be on uh, the other non-traditional space, which is military installations. And so those three brands are what I started with. I have since added two other brands, Wolfgang Puck and Blaze Pizza. Again, uh, Wolfgang Puck had been in airports quite a bit with HMS Host. But I was honored enough that uh, the Wolfgang Puck team put together a special brand offering for me, an Italian kitchen. Mm. And Blaze Pizza, as you might know, is about six years old. Uh, there is one Blaze in an airport, but I'm on the front end of that brand as well. And I got an opportunity to, to really work it. And I appreciate that. It is a great brand. And... The confirmation for me is that I am working with brands that are still uh, very popular. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings is going through a reinvention with a new owner, but I have the opportunity to do something just a little bit new and a little bit different in the space. See. So it, it, I just want to go back a little bit. You mentioned that uh, you st- really began in human resources. And for me, I don't know, we, we ne- never really take traditional routes. I mean, we're in a non-traditional environment, right? So did that see that it seems like a non-traditional pathway to go from human resources to ops, uh, et cetera, or was that just really the environment at Applebee's where you got to learn many things, or maybe this, you just took it upon yourself to look at, to learn very at different aspects of the, of the business. So it was a plan for me. My degree uh, was in psychology and education. And I, <laughs> that fits. And I, and I love training. I mm-hmm. absolutely love training. And so I began my career in operations as a restaurant manager because I wanted to understand how that job was executed before I went into human resources. Mm-hmm. I always knew that I would do human resources, that I would do training and development. I am uh, fairly um, good at administration, so I can handle the compliance side of human resources. To be honest with you, I wanted to do that because, you know, at 22, I had a degree. I had experience as an hourly employee, but I wanted to understand where operators needed support from human resources. And I chose human resources very specifically because you can be a generalist there. You can work in five different core tasks, benefits, administration, admin, compliance, the rules, the regs, the legal side of it, training and development, compensation. All these pieces allowed me to 
create some expertise. I am a pretty prolific learner. Uh, I don't like being bored. I don't like doing the same thing every day. And so my career has really developed into first being a generalist in human resources, knowing how operations needed help. It allowed me to partner with the store level operators and the COO or president of any brand that I've ever worked in. Um, you mentioned the military bases. I'd love for you to contrast your experiences, not, not so much the operational differences, but, the, but your mm-hmm. personal experiences in those two very distinct non-traditional areas, airports and, and, and military compounds. When I began to document the development strategy for my business, I knew how I wanted to work. I knew I wanted to become a certified DBE in multiple airports. I knew I wanted to have a portfolio of brands. And then I went about doing some research on what the opportunities were in various non-traditional spaces. I knew that there was an RFP process that would take a long time, not only to get started, but over time to prove myself. And there are many ways that you can participate in RFPs. So I was looking at where I might be able to accelerate my my opportunities that ended up being military installations. They were also from a business model, a financial business model. I discovered very quickly they were also going to be much more like the street side growth that I had been experienced with. That meant that, meant that the rent was much more similar to being on the street side. That meant that the though there is a security component to it, it's not nearly as complicated. Mm-hmm. And so I used third-party consultants and advisors to help me as I was establishing my business. And a development uh, leader that had worked for me in one of my corporate jobs uh, was notified that there were going to be some opportunities on multiple military installations. They were going to be building shopping centers and they were being built as an amenity for those soldiers that lived on the installation, but also as an opportunity to continue to bring them back uh, in the evenings and on weekends, which the military considers to be, and is true, more more, uh, of a safe arena for them to shop, to go to restaurants. Uh, They've built movie theaters on installations, et cetera. So that really became a very good opening opportunity for me through a long RFP process. We were contacted because in doing their research, Army Air Force Exchange, which manages the lifestyle components on an installation, they had done some surveying and the soldiers wanted Buffalo Wild Wings. And I was a Buffalo Wild Wings (laughs) franchisee for airports. Mm-hmm. They contacted Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, Buffalo didn't want to do uh, the military installation. They considered it non-traditional. Mm-hmm. And so they referred it over to me. Interesting that, I wanna, that they went that route. <laughs> well, let me, let me give you another piece of the background because I think it's critical for what some of your listeners may want to know about. I think that my success, whatever that might be, whatever level that is, 
is enhanced by the fact that I spent a lot of years in corporate America, Mm -hmm. that I really understand how a business model works. I understand how to set strategy. And during those years that I did that, I was very intent on creating a reputation for myself so that when Buffalo Wild Wings heard that the military wanted their brand, there should be only a few people that they know and trust as a franchisee that understands how to develop strategies that are flexible, that can be flexible for military and for maybe stadiums, et cetera. And so it wasn't just coincidental. Uh, I may not have always known 100% of where all of this, this personal brand strategy was going, but I did know that if I cast a broad net, if I learned and researched and became expert on various business models, it would pay off at some point. That kind of like leads to my next question. Um, we in airports, that is, as you're probably aware, it's 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 gotten much more complicated. Um, the barriers to entry are high. Never mind being. Uh, never mind that for those already in the space, it's already complicated. It's just getting um, more more difficult. You see all the all the mergers and acquisitions that have gone on over the last few years. It makes it that much more complicated. So. For those who are either looking to on the outside trying to get in, or maybe those who are already in with a company and looking to branch up on their own, do you? I'd love for you to kind of give maybe some advice to those who are looking to start their own business. Is it kind of like the route that you took early on, where you were skill uh, building, in essence? Um, is that the way to go about it, or is there something else that maybe you could share for those who want to break off on their own? I think that there probably. I don't think I know there are multiple trails to take. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that the broader your experience is, the better off you are. I'll give you a quote from the Small Business Administration. My first two restaurants were built with SBA loans. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they said to me as I got through the process was about 40 to 50% of the people that come to them with an idea, uh, with a the ask of borrowing money to do something, retail, hospitality, et cetera, don't have a business plan. And so if that's that's truly the case, I believe it. I have mentored a lot of people in my career. I would tell you that the first thing that I always mentor people about, the first thing I do when I'm speaking at a, a university is to tell people that they have to find something that they truly love doing. Otherwise, they should just keep a job, but not start their own business. Because you've really got to be passionate. You've got to have all types of core skills, but you've got to be passionate about what you're doing, because it always takes longer than you want. (laughs) It's always more complicated than it looks from the outside. And my advice is always, Continue to look for your space that match your core competencies. Don't try to create a business where you are borrowing money or investing your own life savings where you aren't really committed to making this work. Now, there is a clearly in our industry and probably 
a bit more in airports. Um, it's just not that easy to be successful. It's not that easy to take a, an idea. You may have a product that you love and it's your grandmother's recipe, but <laughs> I have to tell you, you've got to have more than that. And so starting your own business is something that you should spend a lot of time thinking about, planning about, and getting advice on. Uh, I was very experienced, but I went to a couple of mentors and asked the question, what was the biggest lesson you learned when you began your own business? And what was the biggest mistake or two that you made as you created your own business? And I took that information and I adjusted my timeframes <laughs> and I adjusted some of the sequencing because yeah. one of my most trusted advisors said one of the hardest things to decide as a business owner is what level to bring in, who to bring in to work with you, which areas you keep a personal focus on versus who you need to have uh, to keep a focus on the other components. And so I took all of that and I continue to tell people when they ask the question, particularly university students, uh, I, I have had the, the opportunity to speak to a lot of graduate students in hospitality. Do not assume that any one piece of your experience automatically gets you ahead. True. You have to know what you want you have to build a business plan. You need to work with people that have been successful. And you need to make sure that all of your mentors and role models tell you the truth. So let's assume Please. all yeah. <laughs> let's let's assume all no, no, let's assume all of that. And I'd like to ask this next question. I'm gonna jump over to the to one of my later questions is that your thoughts on this industry being conducive being a conducive environment for small businesses to not just enter, but to, to grow and thrive. Are we at that point, you have the mentors, you have the capital, et cetera, but yet are we, uh, is, is, there, is there fertile ground for many of these businesses to grow in this space, let's say? Well, you may know that the, uh, and I, I probably mentioned this when we were speaking at AMAC, over 80% of our industry is comprised of individual restaurant owners, small business owners. Um, that includes the SBA definition of small business owners. That means that 85% is, has revenue of less than the $52 million that, uh, takes, that allows you to stay in the SBA definition. Mm -hmm. So that said, it would seem that, yes, this is a ripe and fertile industry for small businesses. But where we have attrition, where we have people that fail, will be those folks that have the one recipe, yeah. that are opening what we call a mom and pop, and they borrow the least amount of money from their family, and they open in a strip center in their neighborhood, and they haven't done the research to understand how many guests per day, per week, per month they need to make some money and not to survive. And so while this industry is phenomenal for small business people, and there are a lot of very successful uh, mega brand leaders who started as just, you know, in one restaurant, I started as a cashier. 
Wally Doolin is a retired CEO public companies. He started uh, being a recruiter. Dick Rivera started as a dishwasher. There are a lot of us that have started in small business that have gone on to create our own businesses. But there's a long road from one business to being able to support your family, sure. to be able to earn a living uh, that, particularly as a franchisee or uh, as an independent that starts your own brand, th- those two pieces, to make that work requires a lot of luck in addition to a lot of talent, mm-hmm. a lot of um, great advice, a lot of experience. There's a brand like IHOP where the majority of that brand uh, has franchisees that own one or two restaurants. There are brands that are asset light where their franchisees own the majority of the brand. That's another way to get into this business. So, Roz, uh, one more question for you, and I'll let you go. Um, would really love for you to touch on any external factors that are impacting restaurants, uh, both on the street and then soon to airports. Uh, I'm sure the trends in like things such as labor, uh, construction, et cetera, are, are probably going to be up there. But just would love for you to kind of comment on what you feel those uh, external factors would be. Well, I'd say right now, you're reading about, have read about for the last few years, some of the more expensive labor issues that continue to be a problem, particularly as a small business owner. Um, so let's, you know, let's talk about um, the joint employer piece, which would completely change the business model for franchisees. Um, then there is uh, depreciation. Uh, that was a, there was a clerical error in the tax bill two years ago, and uh, the depreciation schedule was uh, overlooked. And so how we depreciate is changed, and it's frankly in limbo until they fix it. Um, There is a a proposal on uh, organization and and union labor. Mm -hmm. That continues to be a challenge. Um, There are just those types of things, ACA, Health yes. healthcare, yes. that is huge. And I personally would love for everybody to have access to healthcare. I happen to have been the chair of the board of the National Restaurant Association uh, when it became uh, an active law. Mm-hmm. But it's too expensive. And it's not that I don't think that we should have uh, healthcare available to our employees. I think it changes the culture of our business if healthcare is available. So I, I want us to maintain that, but it is too expensive. We've got to find a way to make improvements for our industry. Our profit model is just too restricted to be able to just, if you will, absorb every piece of legislation that comes at us. I hope there's something positive that can come out of this. <laughs> I don't want to end well, so much on a, on a, on a down note, but I think there, like well, you said earlier. Well, but let me tell you, I think you, I think there is positive outcomes mm-hmm. of that. Here's where we are. We have had healthcare ACA for years. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that eventually Congress will figure out a way to help every industry balance this out. I don't know what that answer is. 
One of the answers is that we are very close to making a change that will have a positive impact on us as an industry. We're continually fighting at the National Restaurant Association to move the eligibility from 30 hours a week to 40 hours a week. We will still offer health benefits, but it would cost us less if we can, if we can give that benefit to our full-time employees. That's one of the things amongst probably three to four others that if those adjustments are made, it becomes more affordable for business owners. So you still have that human resources uh, gene in, in, inside you, huh? It's still deep in there. It's still there. It's still there. <laughs> well, Roz, this has been great. I appreciate your time, and uh, thanks for taking the time to speak with me. It was great to talk to you, Ramon. Take care. 